Want to get the edge in your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle delved deeper into the data behind all of the Premier League matches every single game week. We combine Pinnacle's sharp betting markets with the game's latest analytical metrics to help you find value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome back to Pinnacle's EPL Insights for Game Week 9. 25 years of Pinnacle in everyday competitive odds. Gareth Wheeler, Jake Osgathorpe with you back after the international break. Jake is back after taking Game Week 8 off. He went on vacation. He went abroad, got to hang out with the family, and they all fell ill while they're away, <laughs> which probably compounded his misery as it was a bit of a struggle in game week eight. You went away and you still made picks. Um, flashback, it was a very good week again for me as I continue to go on the cycle of good, bad, good, bad. Uh, I'm up over 10 units of profit through eight game weeks. Uh, you're still making a profit, Jake, uh, just under a unit. But now that you're actually back, feet on the ground, international break in the rear view mirror i'm thinking big things for you and your picks this week hopefully yeah uh no excuse really because i got back on the monday after the arsenal city game um and yeah i've had basically a week and a half to look ahead to these premier league picks <laughs> so um yeah obviously i've been covering a little bit of international football um but yeah this is the bread and butter um but yeah i think we're at a stage now where eight you know eight game weeks in we've got a really decent feel as to what each team is, what they're about, what we can expect from them. So hopefully, and this is what happened last year, we went on a bit of a run where we made quite a lot of profit uh, because we had all the, you know, all of the the data that, that was starting to stack up. We had a decent sample. We had the eye test. We had a lot of more matches to take into account. So fingers crossed, this is where we start, you know, making a little bit more profit than we are at the moment. Well, that I am anyway. Yeah. Do we do we have a good feel because Spurs are leading the league? So, <laughs> listen, like say what you like. At the start of the season, I said Spurs would be a better team if they got rid of Harry Kane. Now, I'm not. I'm not saying that I said they'd be top of the league at this stage of the season, but I did forecast them being a lot better than what many people were suggesting. So, I, I'm. You know, we can talk about the title race. Like, I don't think I still don't put Tottenham in there. Um, I don't think they've got the depth. I think that they'll, you know, there'll be one team in the next few matches that finds a way to stifle them, and that will be like a blueprint for everyone else. And you start to see them drop a few points. Um, and ultimately, they're not used to dealing with the pressure of being in the title race. The only thing they do have going for them is they've got a great manager, no European football. They're already at the Carabao Cup, so literally their only focus is the Premier League. So there are pros and cons, but I still just don't think that they're at the level to to, to sustain this for a thirty-eight game season. Uh, four wins for me last week, including Spurs um, to win, beat Luton Town, and both teams to score. No, it came in at plus 174. I've hit on a bunch of those this season, which has been very profitable for me, including my four other wins. I made a double play. You would have been proud of me last week. Brighton in the totals just has been printing this year. I had Brighton over a goal and a half against Liverpool and Brighton Liverpool over three and a half. Three half wins as well. Scott McTominay, Scott, that was very fortunate. Um, And then three wrong. It would have been a great week. I cannot believe that Man City lost back-to-back games in the Premier League. And that was the big one last weekend. Arsenal winning late on, a 1-0 win. Uh, Before and after the Arsenal win on Pinnacle, City to win the title was uh, listed, according to the markets, at minus 175. Arsenal at plus 550. After the game, uh, City's odds have come down to minus 140, Arsenal at plus 400, Liverpool at plus 550, and Spurs at plus 1100. What do you make of that result, and what do you make of the markets and the way they've responded? Um, I think the result was... Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know what to make of it, to be honest, um, because it was it was a game in which it looked like neither team wanted to lose, really, um, after about 40 minutes. I do think it was interesting that Man City managed just one shot in the second half and they managed just four shots in total for the entire game. Now, I'm not saying Arsenal, because they won the shot count, were the better team because their their shots were of a far less um, quality based on the expected goals. But uh, I did find that quite surprising. And I do think it just underlines that, you know, we can talk about De Bruyne, we can talk about Haaland. The most important player to Manchester City is Rodri. 
without a shadow yep. of a doubt. Um, not only does he provide that solidity in, in midfield and, and protecting the defence, but he is probably one of their best um, ball players in terms of advancing through the lines and, and breaking pass, uh, breaking lines with passes and getting people on the half turn to cause problems. Without him, they just don't look the the same team. And I know he tinkered with a few things, didn't he? Brought Bernardo Silva into more of a deeper role. Obviously, co- alongside Kovacic, he was very fortunate to stay on the pitch. Um, but yeah, it, it's no surprise, is it? They've lost three of the last four in all competitions, all three domestically when Rodri's been suspended. The one they won was when he played in the Champions League um, yeah. against a good yeah. Leipzig team. So I do think that there's a bit of a common denominator there. He's obviously back now for... You know, Man City will be hoping the rest of the season. But um, just something to keep an eye on is the the number of minutes he has in his legs over the last couple of years, Rodri. So towards the back end of the year, you wouldn't be surprised if he took a, you know, not not quite a Fabinho drop of form, but of that kind of ilk where he just starts to look a little bit tired because he didn't miss a beat last season in the travel season. Um, and yeah, this time around, and he's had three games off, but he will be running to the ground again because they just don't trust anyone else. Andrew Beasley uh, did a great job on the podcast last week. He was explaining some metric. I don't have it in front of me about how Man City performs with Rodri and without Rodri. I'm not sure if you had that, that data available to you, but it jumps off the page, just how good they are with him in the team and, and how much they struggle a little bit with him out of the team. Like Bernardo Silva was playing in a much deeper role. I just... It just didn't look right to me. Obviously, Calvin Phillips' season is not coming. It's going to be the off season when he finds himself somewhere else. I mean, it's just – I'm not sure if that affects the way that you look at City here. Are, are some seeds of doubt being planted around their title credentials? Or is that being blown out of proportion? Like, let's be honest, there was nothing in that game. Uh, Arsenal rather fortunate to come away with the, th- with, with the three points. That game had goalless draw written all over it in terms of the way the game was playing out. So what do you make of, of, of the, the quote-unquote title race? Is it, is it still cities to lose? Like I'm, I'm looking at you know Spurs and Arsenal have done really well at the gate. I still have my eye on Liverpool here. And they were a preseason bet I made. I still think that they're very strong with room for improvement, actually, in this Liverpool side. What what do you make of it, Jake? Um, yeah, City have shown a, a bit of vulnerability there with, with Rodri. And, and the stat that you're talking about uh, is that, yeah, since he starts, since he came into the club, they've lost five of 15 Premier League games that Rodri has missed um, and lost just five of 67 that he's played, um, which is, yeah, kind of just reinforces the the importance there. Um yeah, I, I think, I think City are still fair favourites. I, I wouldn't be putting, you know, that their price at minus one forty kind of reflects that the market, everyone betting, everyone who's watched them suggests that they will, um, you know, get things right. But I do have uh, my doubts. Just obviously, the injury list is 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 big. You know, some good players that are missing there, some great players that are absent. Um, they will come back at some point, but it's just a matter of. Uh, of when for me because if you look at the upcoming schedule I think this is a defining period for City the next games they play Brighton Manchester United Bournemouth which is you know probably the the only game out of this little run that they'll be heavily fancied to win then they play Chelsea Liverpool Tottenham Villa so they've got what's that seven eight games there with just one with, with you know basically they play seven of the teams we expect to finish in the top eight um which I think is yeah, it is kind of it is a huge period for City. Just just the the fixture list in general is set up to well. Looking at the start of the season, we always looked at this schedule for City to start Burnley, Newcastle, Sheffield United, Fulham, West Ham, Forest, Wolves, and thought, well, there's every chance they could be on maximum points. They, they nearly yeah. did that. They lost just once against Wolves, and then it was uh, started with Arsenal, and you get start you're getting that really tough schedule. Um, and it's just a case of can they click into gear? We know they usually click into gear the second half of the season. But there's every chance if they don't click into gear of this next seven games, they could drop points in four or five. And the way I I tipped off at the start of the season to win the league, I think they're still a good shout to do that because they are playing in what what you would have to call um, an uninspiring, but they're playing uninspiring winning football. That's what they're doing. They don't blow you away when you watch them. They're not like emphatically beating teams like they were at this stage of last season. But I see that as a positive. It's almost like they're trying to keep something in the tank for later in the campaign. If they can just edge to 1-0s, 2-0s, 2-1s, and then kick into gear and really get on a run, I think they could do well. But 
yeah, looking at City's schedule, this could be a time to oppose them because, um, yeah, the, the way in which they've been playing has not been brilliant, even though they have played an easy schedule. So, um, yeah, equally, if you think that City is still the bet, then I would advise waiting until maybe December and then looking at the table because you might get a, a decent price about City to, to turn things around like they did last season. Uh, good tip. Uh, I guess the good news for City, other than De Bruyne, they're back fully fit. Stones is back. Kovacic is back. Um, and we'll see what the response or what kind of response comes from Pep. He's been on and off the bench as well. It's just been a little bit of an awkward stretch for them. Uh, let's dig into this week's fixture list. Ten games. We'll go through the feature five. Then we'll go rapid fire. For the remaining five, we'll share our top bets and our favorite picks of the week as well. And we'll see if we can sneak in another head-to-head or two. Uh, Jake having the the leg up in that category 3-1 over yours truly thus far this season. So let's start off with the early fixture on Saturday. It's the Merseyside Derby at 12.30 local time. It's fourth place Liverpool against 16th place Everton. Liverpool coming off a 2-2 draw against Brighton. They've gone over 2.5 in 9 of 10. Both teams to score in 6 of 7. But they've been the first to concede in 5 of 7. They play at home. They love playing at Anfield. Five wins at home in five in all competitions. Uh, This season, 14 goals scored, just three against. They're undefeated in 13 straight in all competitions at home. And we keep on bringing this up. Their last loss in the Premier League came all the way back October 29th of last year in a 2-1 loss to Leeds United. They had the second best expected goals, courtesy of Understat at 18.74. That's only .04 behind Newcastle right away. So almost a dead heat in that category. Mo Salah, five goals, four assists. Tied with Erling Holland for the most goal involvements. Jota still suspended, but Gakpo's close, and we'll be keeping an eye on Andy Robertson at the time of recording. Did his shoulder on international duty. He seems unlikely, but the way that injuries are disclosed or not disclosed this season, your guess is as good as mine. Everton coming off a 3-0 victory over Bournemouth, an emphatic win. For the Toffees, over two and a half and six of seven. Both teams to score in five of seven. This Sean Dyche side is creating chances. There's no doubt about that. They're fifth in expected goals somehow. 17.56, but they only have nine goals scored to show for it. The 8.56 uh, differential between actual goals and expected goals is the biggest gap in the Premier League so far this season. 14.34 expected points as well, based upon the underlying stats, puts them seventh in that category. Everton undefeated in their last four away games in all competitions. Head-to-head, Liverpool won this fixture 2-0 last season. They drew. It was a goalless draw at Goodison Park. Liverpool have lost to Everton in four. Liverpool no goals conceded in their last three. And these two sides have actually played to the under in four of five. Uh, Everton, the numbers look good, but going to Anfield, it's the most difficult place to go based upon the numbers in the Premier League. So how do you see this one playing out, Jake? Um, yeah, this is this is an interesting one because of those the, the data you quoted there around Everton, the fact that they are creating chances just not taking them. Uh, and we've started to see them take a few chances recently. Obviously, hammered Bournemouth, hammered Brentford. Um, in between that, they obviously had a shocking loss to Luton in which they created chances again, just didn't take them on that occasion. Um, but equally, they are giving up chances, which is where I look at uh, potential weakness. And, you know, you've got Liverpool, one of, if not the best attacking team in the league. I still don't think they're firing on all cylinders just yet in attack, um, which is quite frightening, really, for the rest of the league because... As you mentioned, they are already the second best attacking team in the league, marginally, to Newcastle. Um, and yeah, they, they've been emphatic at home so far this season. They've scored three in all of them home matches. Averaged nearly 2.9 expected goals per home game, which I think is just ridiculous, uh, conceding just one expected goal against per game. So um, I looked at this and just thought, you've got a really strong attacking team against a team that's okay in attack, showing signs of life, but can't defend. Um you know, away from home, they've allowed 1.7 expected goals against per game, have Everton, which is a really poor record. If you look at the teams they've played, you know, Brentford away, um, they've been away to Aston Villa, away to Sheffield United. That is not a very 
it's not the toughest of schedules and I would have expected a little bit more from, especially from a Sean Dyche um, led team. So I ended up settling on the goal line looks a bit too high. I was tempted to go unders on the goal line, but I ended up just Liverpool are just a better team. They're just way, they're so good at home. They are very trustworthy enough for me to back them on the handicap um, at minus one and four, because I just think that they are, they get you mentioned it there that they are definitely in the title race. I do want to see a little bit more from them in the midfield area, but I don't think they'll need anything like that to to cause Everton problems. Because if Everton do try and or continue to play in this more attack minded manner, they'll just get picked off by Liverpool. So I, I do expect Everton to try and revert a little bit to be a bit more secure. Uh, I don't think it's going to make a difference. So I, I think Liverpool will um, will dominate this game and, and win fairly comfortably. So a, a unit play for me on Liverpool minus one and a half. Minus one and a half. So two goals required for an outright win for Jake on that play. I completely understand it. I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction here. Um, typically, in at least in recent vintage, these games are very tightly contested. There, there really hasn't been much between the teams. Um, and I think Liverpool are going to win the game. I completely agree with that. But... I'm not sure if Everton's going to be able to create chances against this Liverpool side, the way that they have against the Lutons, the injured Brentford sides, the boredomists of this world here. So I'm going to combine it. I'm going to go um, Liverpool to win and both teams to score no. So both teams to score no, Liverpool win at plus 167. And we'll see. Um, I, I think that the numbers, they clearly don't lie when it comes to how much Everton's being created and they get forward and they're aggressive in attack, but it's an entirely different animal when you're going to Anfield to play Liverpool. And I think it's a game where Cunyate's back in the team, the center backs are fit, Robertson's the only real question this team. I, I just think that they don't have the weapons or the reliable attacking weapons to go and really expose Liverpool's back line, which at home has been good. They've only conceded three um, on, on this season at home as well. So give me that combination play. To, to me, it's worth the risk to get it at a plus number like that. A Liverpool win in a clean sheet. I think it's entirely possible they did it 2-0 last season as well, and they haven't conceded their last three against Everton. So a full unit play on that, and let's hope that another big plus um, plus number uh, comes through. I know the combination plays. Uh, I don't delve into them all the time, but I have a couple this week, and this is the first of a couple that I'm going to be playing. So um, we'll see. I just who's the reliable goal scorer on this Everton side? They can create chances, but you need the finishers, Jake, and – Calvert Lewin, I know he scored a couple weeks back. Um, you know, Harrison scored on his debut. James Garner, like set pieces from your boy Tarkowski. Like th- that's how they need to score goals. I just don't think that they're a team that just has natural goal scores within the squad. So th- that's going to be my play this week. Anfield's been a fortress, and I just think it's going to continue to be that way. I, it's hard to make the argument otherwise, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I, I don't know. It's. I think they're in, a, they're in a tough spot either way, Everton. Like, if they have a go, they're going to get picked off. If they sit back, they're going to lose anyway. So I'd be intrigued to see what kind of approach Dyche takes, whether it is, you know, a very Dyche-ian kind of sit deep and try and counterattack, or whether he does just say, look, you know, chances are we're going to lose anyway. Let's go down swinging. Um, in which case, I could see them getting on the score sheet. So, yeah, at least we've got, you know, we've got an it's boring international break. At least we're coming out of it with a bit of a bang, and um, hopefully we, we do get a bit of entertainment was a boring international break. Good way of putting it. Uh, Let's move forward. It's 3 p.m. on Saturday. Third place Manchester City taking on sixth place Brighton. City coming off that one to loss to Arsenal. Only four shots, one on target. Holland a 0-0-0 XG. Rodri, big miss again, but he returns this weekend. Um, Over the entire match against Arsenal, just a 0.86 0.86 expected goals. <laughs> Not a typical city game whatsoever. Three losses in their last four in all competitions and back-to-back losses in the Premier League. Explain that to me. How does this happen to Man City? Hence why it was on them last weekend. Let's see if they can right the wrongs. They don't have a clean sheet in their last four. And the, the weirdest thing, they've been the first to concede in five of their last seven games in all competitions. City, however, are perfect at home in the Premier League. Three wins from three, eight goals scored, just one conceded. Brighton, they played to a 2-2 draw against Liverpool. It was a difficult turnaround, however, because they played 
Marseille to, to a 2 2 draw in the Europa League just a couple days before. Uh, 21 goals in eight Premier League games. That's tops in the league. They're third in expected goals, 5 1 and 2 overall. However, they're bottom half in expected goals against. They haven't won in four in all competitions. No clean sheet in their last 13 games. It says a lot about them, doesn't it? They've gone over the two and a half total in nine of 10. Both teams have scored in nine of 10, and they'd be the first to concede as well in five of six. And Stupinian is out long term. The fullback is going to be a miss. Matoma should be good to go after missing out um, with Japan over the course of the international window. Head to head, City, they won this fixture 3 1 last season. They played to a 1 1 draw at the Amex. City haven't lost to Brighton in four. They've been the first to score in their last eight against Brighton and the first half winner in eight of 10. Brighton has had a clean sheet against City in 14 and over the total of two and a half has played in four of five. Both teams to score in four of five as well. So Brighton, obviously, they're aggressive attacking-wise. They leave all kinds of gaps to be exposed as well. It seems like a scenario where City are going to be right to come out with a performance and can pick off this Brighton team, at least from a defensive perspective. The question is, will City be more stable in terms of their back four? Or will they can continue to concede, which is completely against the grain because their expected goals against continues to lead the way in the Premier League? So, so what do you see playing out here? It's a difficult one. Um, it is and it isn't because Brighton are just the goal kings, aren't they? So it, when you're seeing it, I know the line is high at three and a half, but when you're seeing that available at, you know, minus 104, it, at this stage of the season, it feels like an automatic play just because of everything we've seen, everything we know about Brighton. Um, they played eight Premier League matches and over three and a half has landed in all eight, which is just ridiculous. Um, and it kind of shows you the, um, you know, the the good and the bad about Brighton, that you know that they are very adventurous, they're very good to watch, they're very expansive, but they're very stubborn in the way in which they play. You know, they could get caught out two, three times. We saw them get hammered by West Ham. We saw them get hammered by Villa, and they just carry on saying playing the same way. And that's what we love about them. They've got their own philosophy, their own way of doing things. And it doesn't change depending on who they play against. Um, now, what I will say is that Brighton's record against the Big Seven is really, really good. So that kind of style of football does lend itself to playing against the big teams. Um, so across the last 21 Premier League matches against the Big Seven, I'm including Newcastle in, in there with the Big Six, they've won 11 times and lost just six, which is a really, really strong record. They've scored 39 times and conceded 29 in those 21 matches. So again, you can tell just from those games uh, that, that those Raw figures, 68 goals in 21 games against the Big Seven. Goals are generally prevalent whenever they play against them. Obviously, that period takes into account De Zerbi from last season, this season, and then a little bit of Potter from the start of last season as well. So, um, yeah, you know, they, they've scored twice or more in 12 of those 21 games as well against the Big Seven. So, you know, I don't see a reason why they wouldn't score once, maybe twice here at the Etihad. But especially given the way they've started an attack. I mean, you mentioned there, their attacking numbers are off the scale, really. Um, but, you know, we've talked about Rodri already. He's back in for Manchester City. Um, you know, you've got Erling Haaland, who was going to be massively frustrated after his international break. The fact that they are now, you know, his nation can't qualify for the Euros. Uh, he obviously had that really bad bad game against Arsenal where, he, you know, for whatever reason, they just weren't creating the chances for him. Um, and yeah, I think, they, I think City come back at this with... It's a great opportunity to stamp their authority. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they did similar to what Villa did and maybe hit Brighton for six or seven because I think that Brighton play in a way in which that could happen. Um, you know, they, they've conceded 1.9 expected goals against per game, which is just, just again, like crazy, crazy numbers for a team that we think going to finish in the top six. Um, so, yeah, I think it looks like a good bounce-back game for Man City. I was tempted with the handicap. Um, you know, the handicap's at minus one and a quarter. That did... I did have a second glance at that because I do think City will probably win this, maybe like a 4-2. But okay. I just think the safest play is overs on the goals because, you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me, it wouldn't surprise you if it finished 2-2. It wouldn't surprise yeah. us if it finished 7-1 to Man City. It wouldn't surprise us if it finished 4-1 to Brighton. Like, you know, they, it would be a surprise if it was 0-0 or 1-1 or, you know, something like that. So for me, I'm, I'm taking the goal line. The price has actually moved, which is 
Yes, interesting. Um, yeah, it was it was odds on minus one hundred four yesterday. It's now plus one hundred one, so that's even better. You know, we're getting a little bit of value. I think it should be probably moving the other way. Um, so yeah, that that's my play. I'm actually I'm going to make it a one and a half unit play as well because um, I know the, the Brighton goals train is going to run out at some point, um, but this seems like a real opportunity for Pep Guardiola to kind of just show everyone his boss, lay down the hammer. I mean, he says that Deserby's like you know, the best manager that he's seen other than when he looks in the mirror. Um, the only thing that makes me nervous on that total and seeing that the number is moved, it tempts me to turn my focus there. Um, I actually locked in a bet already. It's actually moved a little bit, but I'll, I'll take what the number's at right now. I'm going over the goal total for Man City. So I'm playing Brighton kind of the opposite way because I think City can easily score three, four. You mentioned the Villa game, could score six in this one. And because Brighton, the way that they play, they're going to play wide open. The, the only thing that adds a little bit of a seed of doubt for me is whether City just focus a little bit more on the defensive side. They didn't really give up anything at Ar- to Arsenal, in fairness, at the Emirates. Um, and some of the goals that they've been given up, there's just been really like... <sighs> I, I don't think they're they're a problem defensively. That's what I'm trying to say. And Brighton will be really tested here. I, again, I can't see City coming laying an egg and losing or dropping points in three consecutive Premier League games. I just can't. Yeah. I think they'll you know go the last out. time they lost back to back Premier League games. I don't know. I 2018. Yeah, the last time they lost back to back Prem games, and I think the, the the Premier League team with the second best record last lost back to back games in 2021. So they basically City went three years longer than any other team in the league without losing back-to-back. So the, the, the loss at Arsenal will have come as a massive shock to the system. They're just not used to that. Right, right. Um, a full unit play, Man City over two and a half goals to be scored in this game at plus 115. That's my play. Um, I, I know it's juiced a little bit, City, but against this Brighton side, I think they can't score three, four. It just, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me. So that's my number one play at plus 113. I actually locked it in last night at plus 115. It, the number's gone down a little bit. I was also considering both teams to score and City win at plus 146. Um, again, it's just, if I'm going to play that, then I'd probably play it a little bit more safe and just play the total. Um, but I'll just stay with the, the City goals in this game at plus 113. Full unit play. That's all. No need to dig it in anymore. Shall we uh, move on? Uh, yep. another good one. Man, it's, it's a good slate coming out of the international window this week. Uh, 11th place Chelsea plays second place Arsenal, a game at 5 30 on Saturday. Chelsea 4 1 win uh, at Burnley. I had Chelsea uh, to win and to not concede in that game. They conceded first, they conceded early and came back and actually scored four goals. They actually scored six goals since Domino's outside of. Craven Cottage was mocking them about how many pizzas were sold since Chelsea last scored a goal. And and now they got some players back in the team and they're scoring goals. In fact, back-to-back games, they've scored multiple goals, three wins in a row, but they still have gone under two and a half and five of six. Gusto returns from suspension to play right back. It seems like Reese James is still a little bit off, but they have so many players that are questionable or out. If you look at their injury list, it's like 12, 13, 14 players have a question mark beside them or are out for this week. The Sassy and Broha are questionable. They're probably good to go, but a little bit of a doubt at the time of recording. Arsenal and Chelsea, what's crazy if you look at the numbers in terms of XG on understat. Um, Arsenal, in terms of XG, 15.8. Chelsea, 15.79. It's like a virtual dead heat there. Although Arsenal scored five more goals than Chelsea, 16 to 11. Arsenal have the third best expected goals against. Chelsea have the fourth best expected goals against. It's just crazy the little differentials between these teams and how the numbers paint a very similar story. Pochettino, by the way, 4-7-4 all-time facing Arsenal. As for the Gunners, 1-0 victory over City. Martinelli, the late match winner. They just had a .39 expected goals in the game, but good enough to win. Still undefeated. Six wins, two draws. And it was a bounce back after a 2-1 loss at Long in the Champions League. They've been first to score in 7-7. Seven of seven. They have a perfect record away from home in the Premier League. Three wins from three. Saka, Saliba, Trossard, all questionable as of right now. 
And they do play Sevilla in the Champions League away on Tuesday. Head to head Arsenal, uh, won this fic, well, won 3 1 at home and won 1 0 at the bridge last season. And Arsenal beat Chelsea four times in a row. Uh, so Chelsea showing some signs of life isn't enough to make a play that kind of sides with Chelsea in this game or what are you thinking here? Yeah, not for me. Um, you know, I think they are, they're, they're definitely, it's a weird one with Chelsea because the underlying data paints a picture of a team that are trending in a positive direction that are going to, you know, climb into that top four conversation. Um, but then if you look at the schedule, it's been really kind. So I'm definitely taking their, their underlying data with a pinch of salt. Um, you know, they obviously started with Liverpool, but then they played West Ham, who finished in the bottom half last year, and they're much improved this, this time. Uh, Luton, Forest, Bournemouth, Villa, who obviously we rate as a good team, Fulham, Burnley. So they played maybe two good teams so far this season. Um, and if you look at, if you order the table by expected points, um, you can actually get a position, expected position of their opponent that they've faced. Uh, and the, the average of that is 13.9, whereas you look at Arsenal, it's at 10.6. So you can see straight away that Arsenal played a tougher schedule, yeah. um, which means that you have to put more stock in their underlying data, even though the, the data is telling you that they both have performed the same. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, like I said, I think if Chelsea had put this kind of run together from a data perspective and then we're coming into a nice kind bit of schedule, I'd say look at backing them like all the time. But, you know, they, they've had their easy part of the set of the schedule. Like they've played eight games where they should have probably picked up maybe 15 points, 16 points minimum. And then you look at the next matches, you've got Arsenal, Brentford, Tottenham, Man City, Newcastle, Brighton, Man United, like that's their next seven games. So they, they basically, they, you know, the, the data is telling you that they're going on an upward curve, but they've not been tested yet. Yeah. This is the start of their test. Um, and I, I've, I've seen enough from Arsenal to suggest that they are, like I said at the start of the season, title, con- title candidates. I think they're going to be up there again. Obviously, they've beaten Man United. They drew with Tottenham in what was a very good game. Um, they've beaten Manchester City. They've come through those kind of tests almost unscathed. I know all of those have been at home, which is the only caveat is that this is away from home. But then if you just have a look at, uh, look at Chelsea's home record, um, it's really bad. Like, you know, really bad. This season, drawn with Liverpool, beat Luton, which every team should be doing. Nottingham Forest, they've lost. And Aston Villa, they've lost at home. And if you stretch it back to the start of the calendar year, I know Pochettino wasn't in charge. The player turnaround has is, is, you know, been huge. But they've won just three of 16 home games in the league since the start of, the, uh, of 2023. So for whatever reason, the players there just do not like playing at Stamford Bridge. Um, you know, and they, they haven't picked up a scalp in that time. Like I said, Luton is the team that they beat um, uh, this season. You know, last season, the home wins that, that come into this category, they beat Leeds, who got relegated, and they beat Crystal Palace, who were in the midst of, should we sack Vieira, should we not sack Vieira? So the three wins have come against three very poor teams. Um, Arsenal obviously aren't a poor team at all, and their underlying numbers have been strong. Arsenal... You know, a couple of years ago, there was some, they were being banded as home merchants that they can't play away from home. Um, that completely changed last year. They had the best away record in the league. They've kind of carried that on this time around. They've made light work of Bournemouth, a really kind of hard fought win at Everton, hard fought win at Crystal Palace. It's just what they do now, Arsenal. Um, and it wouldn't be a surprise if they went there uh, to Stamford Bridge and won 1 0, ground something out. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely leaning towards Arsenal and quite happy to take them. On the handicap, uh, minus a quarter at plus 105. So the line has moved. Uh, it's got shorter, which suggests that, you know, the Sharps are kind of thinking the same way as what we are in terms of uh, the Arsenal are definitely the team to, to be siding with. And, you know, ultimately taking them at minus, minus a quarter means that if the game ends in a draw, you make a half loss. If Arsenal win, you get, you know, full a full payout. So, um, yeah, that for me is is the, is the way. And I did look at the unders. The unders did it did like you know call my name a few times and say back me. But um, yeah, I, I just think the Arsenal play is is the way in. I uh, I Arsenal at plus one thirty seven to win. Very very tempting. I I got to be honest with you. I might have to I might have to jump on that. But like you, the unders were calling my name. Under two and a half, a full unit play at minus 108. 
Like this, this is a Chelsea play. You said something earlier in this podcast about Arsenal that they're managing games. It hasn't always looked great, but they're doing enough to get over the line. So keeping things tight, especially away from home in this game, I just think under two and a half is the best play to make at minus one hundred eight. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it at the problem is I just don't know who's going to play for, for Chelsea in this game right now. Uh, I, I might end up making a play on Arsenal once we have some clarity, once the managers speak about who might be playing for both sides. If there's no Saka in the team again, do I I think he's just such an important player to this Arsenal team, especially in a game like this. And in Chelsea, it's just room against Man City, is it? I, 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 but that game should have ended in a draw, like, yeah, the way that I, it I played think, out. It was a little bit fortunate the, the playing at home at, at the Emirates, they'd be great at home, Arsenal. So, great away, yeah, yeah, they haven't lost. I, 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 I get the, that the absentees at Chelsea are. Much more important, I think, because you know, Disassi he's injured, Badi Shile's still not back yet. Uh, it looks as though they're going to have to shift Colwell to center half, which means Kukurea is going to have to play at left back. So, obviously, yeah. if Saka is playing with Gusto then back he in, will and that, I think, yeah, maybe, yeah, that, but if he doesn't play, I, I, yeah, like, I mean, I, I think I, that Caicedo and Fernandez and Gallagher have really solidified things. For, for Chelsea, Palmer shown signs of life. Mudrick has shown signs of life. Yeah, pa- I just Palmer don't think they can score. both got taken off in the international break with injuries as well. Are, so are they? Down. But are but are they both out? I don't know. This is why it's very uh, yeah, difficult. Yeah, I know, to, yeah, yeah. But they, they both they both had treatment and then got subbed off. So you know, there's those question marks about what what that attacking line is going to look like for Chelsea. At least you know for Arsenal, they're going to have Gabriel Jesus or Saka at the right wing. And I always think Gabriel Jesus's best position is on the wing. You know, I don't think he finishes enough chances to play down the middle. Um, you know, they, they, whoever whoever plays there, Sacrojes is going to be an absolute handful. The midfield's pretty set. You're going to have Rice, you're going to have Erdogan, you're going to have Havertz. Party's fit. He can come in and play if you want to play a bit more defensive. Um, yeah. You know, then the Saliba, he he's expected to play. All the journalists over here are saying that he should be able <laughs> to play, which is huge. Um, and you know, you mentioned Brozier, who obviously played and scored a couple of goals against Fulham, looked really sharp. Uh, he's out for Chelsea as well, so it means Nicholas Jackson is going to have to come in again. You know, he scored a couple of goals, but this is a, that the, caliber. The, Saliba in, some of these players out, it just gives me that much more conviction to back the under, <laughs> yeah. under minus one away. But I, yeah, definitely. I think I think if if is I'm on the same thought path as you. I think under two and a half is is it. it you know, I might have to put an extra unit on it. I just think that the if it is unders, I think Arsenal will edge it. Basically, that that's my thought pro, thought path. If it's going to be an under two and a half game, I can just I think I have more confidence in Arsenal kind of coming through a low scoring game um, than I do Chelsea. I'm, I'm, I'm outside this podcast, I might end up making a personal play on Arsenal, but I'm not I'm not prepared to make one right now. The other one I considered both teams to score no at plus one thirteen on Pinnacle. I considered that because I think it could be a one nil again. If it's a one one, like. I, under minus one away, I'm, 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 that one is locked in for a full unit, and we'll see from a personal perspective what else I might sprinkle on this game. There's some really good numbers for this game on Pinnacle, honestly. Um, depending where, you, what side you fall on here, so uh, keep an eye on the markets, figure out which players may or may not be available for this game, the best of your ability, and kind of go from there. But uh, I have the most confidence in the under and Jake has most confidence on Arsenal with the handicap and a plus number too. That's a nice little number. And you know how much I love those plays. I, if you listen to the podcast on a regular basis, it feels like I'm making a, a play like that on the handicap plus number a uh, week in week out. Uh, let's move things forward. Um, I'm just going to, um, I'm going to join you with the unders as well. I'm going to okay. have two plays on this game. Good. Uh, I'm going to go full unit on Arsenal handicap, full unit under two and a half. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. Welcome. I, 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 yeah. Under. It was calling my name, you know? Yes. <laughs> I, I, that, that was my one lock heading into this week's board. I thought Jake is definitely playing the unders in this game. So, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm writing a we preview for site. Um, and yeah, uh, the first bet I put in was, well, the first bet I put in was Kai Havertz to be carded because I think he's way overpriced. But the second bet was under two and a half goals. Nice. Which, yeah. So I, I, I've kind of got to, I've got to double down and, and make sure. That I get it everywhere because yeah, like like we've discussed, you've got 
a Chelsea team that, yeah, they're creating chances but can't finish at the rate they should be. The defence has been fairly solid and Arsenal just look a very solid away team. So, yeah, let, let's ride the under train. We got to move this along. I, m- I might have suggested card play a little bit later on in this podcast, which is not what I usually do. A 20th place Sheffield United taking on 10th place Manchester United. It's a weird for 8 p.m. on Saturday night. Uh, Sheffield United 3-1 loss at Fulham. 0.25 XG in that game. Four losses in a row. 10, uh, 10 games without a win for Sheffield United. No clean sheets in five for the Blades. Over two and a half, though, in four or five. And first to concede in eight of 10. Basham, Egan, a bunch of others. Eight or nine players are out for this team as well. So they're bad and they're injured. That's a horrible combination. A 5.4 XG in eight is last. A 22.97 expected goals against is worst. 22 goals conceded is the worst. I'll leave the blades alone as though, although Jake would like me to keep on hammering. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, you know, stick a fork in them blades. (laughs) Okay. Uh, United, uh, 2-1 2-1 victory. Scott McTominay saves United. Dun, 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 dun. Scott McTominay. I've had that song in my head for uh, the, the last week and a half now. They actually had a goal chalked off, and then McTominay scored 93rd, 97th. Bedlam at Old Trafford, and the team could breathe, breathe easily in terms of the press for, like, what, a couple days, and the ownership things came out. It's chaos once again. Ho-hum. Uh, they were coming up back-to-back losses, 1-0 to Palace, 3-2 to Galatasaray. They needed a positive result, although it wasn't pretty. It ended a streak as well of three home losses out of four. Still, they've lost 6 of 11 to start the season at Manchester United. Only nine goals scored in eight games. Big problem. Only 12th in expected goals. Big problem. However, their team has gone over the total of two and a half and seven of nine and no clean sheets in three. One win in just three away games this season and just a 4.25 XG in those games. Two goals scored, five against away from home. Their injury list, I mean, I don't know who's going to play. I like Vrad missed the last game. Is he going to come back? I don't know. Reguilon's got to be, got to be close to coming back. Manu close to, to, to coming back. Casemiro suspended against Copenhagen, yet he's making the return back from South America for this game. And he came off early against Venezuela, but played in a 2-0 loss to Uruguay. So we'll see. Um, home to Copenhagen, like I said, Tuesday before the Manchester Derby next weekend. But then they have three straight home games over the course of that stretch. Copenhagen City, Newcastle. So a big couple of weeks for Manchester United. Head-to-head, United beat um, Sheffield United back in 2020. It was a 3-2 final in this fixture. However, that 2020 season, the Blades went down, but they still beat United 2-1 at Old Trafford. Uh, Sheffield United, no clean sheets in nine, but they've gone over two and a half in four of five. What's the play here, Jake? Are you going to just stick a fork in them and back the unpredictable, the erratic Manchester United side in this fixture today, uh, this weekend? Hell no. No, you can't trust Man United right now, no matter who they're playing against. I'm, I'm um, trusting them against Sheffield United, I'll tell you that much. Oh, yeah, I, I obviously fully expect them to win. They're minus 233 to win the game. Like, they should win, but, I mean, come on. Like, you can't back them with much confidence, even though they are playing Sheffield United to cover a handicap. Um, not saying I'm taking Sheffield United on the handicap at all, because that's not what I'm doing. Um, but, yeah... You mentioned it there. United, they rank very much mid-table on all the major metrics so far this season. They're attacking numbers down massively on last year. 1.5 expected goals for per game this year. Last year, they're up at 1.9. So it's a fairly big drop-off. Um, and away from home, just 1.3 uh, expected goals for per game. And, you know, against Burnley, they just did enough to win. You know, they kind of kept Burnley at arm's length. It was much more of a defensive, um, you know, kind of battle than than what we'd expect from a team of United's calibre. And yeah, it just the blades are just rubbish. Like there's no <laughs> two ways about it. Like and to put it into context, since 2014, no team has accumulated fewer expected points than Sheffield United have after eight games. Like I, I cannot understate. So I understand their expected points is. I think it starts with a two. It's two point four two. Now, I cannot understate how difficult it is for a team to get that few expected points from eight matches. Like for those who don't know how expected points is calculated, you basically take the expected goals for and against from an individual game, 
you run a Poisson simulation, you basically re-simulate the game thousands, tens of thousands of times, you get a percentage chance of team A winning, team B winning and the draw. And then once you've got the percentage chances, you multiply, you know, by obviously you get a win, you get three points. So you multiply team A by three, multiply it by one to get a draw, and then you end up with your expected points. It's so difficult to get that few expected points through, you know, eight matches. Like the the second worst since 2014, second worst team picked up um, over four expected points, so nearly double what Sheffield United have managed. Um, so that kind of just hammers home the context of just how bad. Like at this stage of the season, they are historically bad from a data perspective. Uh, granted, they've had you know they've had a, a toughish schedule. They've played City. They've played. Spurs, they almost beat Spurs. This how does that? Anyways, yeah. Uh, um, but you know, either side of that, Palace, Forest, Everton, West Ham, Fulham. Like they've not. Other than that, it's not been like they've had a the gauntlet of all the big teams. So um, you know, they, they, their attack has been non-existent. 0.7 expected goals for per game. They're very much a defense first team anyway. They're going to set up in this match exactly the same way as they did against Manchester City. Try and you know snatch a goal and sit deep and just defend for their lives. Um, similar to what they did against Tottenham. Didn't work against Newcastle. They were all over the place. Uh, so yeah, uh, Man United's attacking struggles. Sheffield United being a defense first team. I have to go with the unders. The line set at three, which um, I'm very happy with because obviously if it finishes two one, as quite a few of those games we mentioned does, I get a push. Um, and you know the uncertainty around Manchester United's team news, the attacking players that they have fit, the attacking players that still perhaps haven't gelled, <coughs> definitely has me leaning towards this being more of a a game in similar mould to what we saw them do against Burnley, which was like a 1-0. Um, maybe a bit more controlled this time, given the lack of um, attacking impetus United have among the ranks. So, yeah, under three, I'm going to go one and a half unit play, minus 102 is the price. So, yeah, that's that's me. I, I'm guessing from what you were saying earlier, you're going to be taking United on the handicap. Uh, no, I'm not. I actually considered the unders, strongly considered the unders. These might be famous last words, but I think United are just going to turn around their form and be a lot better. I really like Hoyland. No, Rasmus Hoyland looks to be the real deal. United been playing this season, like never mind the defensive errors and the comical stuff and the lack of players available due to injury. Their best players have been completely out of form. Rashford, Bruno Fernandes, like their top players haven't, they've really missed Luke Shaw on the team. They desperately need him back to provide some balance in the team. They have nothing down that left-hand side. I think once they get that, they're going to be a little bit better. And Bruno's coming off some good performances in the international window. Uh, Hoyland continues to perform. Rashford scored a good goal. I think it's a matter of time. Is, um, is Hoyland fit? He got kicked about. It sounds he got, like he got hammered, didn't he? He did against San Marino, but it sounds like he's okay. Uh, he's a big Good. boy and he's young. He's a young, strapping lad. You yeah, mentioned seeing the clips, but he's he's literally taking like, yeah. like wrestling moves to the back, like yes. the, the flying knees and stuff to his back, which is like, what are you doing? Like crazy what sport we play in San Marino. Yeah, they're watching the Rugby World Cup right now. Um, <laughs> you you mentioned United at Burnley. I think it's going to play out like that a little bit, but United a little bit more in control. Um, I like United to win to nil at plus 163. I got United to win to nil at Burnley. Very similar number. I'm going to go back to the well with that. I, I, I We've talked about it just maybe restraining. United played a little bit more controlled at times. Um, Onana's not this bad. The, some of the players like are not this bad in this team. Uh, we'll see. If, if, if I'm Ted Hogg as well, I bring Maguire back in the team to play on the left side with Varane on the right. Just Lindelof hasn't played very well. Um, and if Reguilon can't go, you play Lindelof at left United back. Player. So, uh, he knows Bramble Lane well, does yeah, Harry Maguire. Th- that's kind of what I was thinking there. I'm not sure Amrabat's health status. I'd start him in the midfield, provide a little bit more balance there as well. I think the, the United Just, are inching yeah. their way closer despite not getting performances. I think good clean sheet win, 1 0, 2 0 makes a lot of sense here going away from home in this one. So I'm going to back United to win to nil, plus 163, full unit play. Yeah, I, I won't I won't put anyone off following you on that. I think I got it down as one nil in my column on, on site. And I, I just would say one kind of side bet that I, I would potentially look at closer to the time once we've seen the team news is Harry Maguire to score in the player props market because we saw Newcastle absolutely destroy Sheffield United from set pieces. Yeah. Um I think the first three goals all came from set pieces in the eight nil drubbing. 
Uh, obviously, United had success against Brentford uh, from set pieces in the last game. You know, I know there's a couple of like recycle, recycled plays, but it all came from the set piece situation. Um, so if they can kind of take that form against a good set piece team against a you know to, to this game against a vulnerable set, set piece team, then. Maguire and his massive head could contribute <laughs> to the scoring. It's a huge hint. Uh, okay, <laughs> we are running a little bit heavy, so let's get to the only. It's weird. The only fixture on Sunday in the Premier League, Saturday. It's going to be great. Sunday, a quiet one, but it does feature what should be a good game. Fifth place, Aston Villa, and seventh place, West Ham, played at 4.30 local time. Villa coming off a 1-1 draw at Wolves in a competitive derby match. The XG, very evenly played. Uh, Villa haven't lost in three overall. Both teams to score in five of seven. Last time at home, they smashed Brighton 6-1. Three wins from three at home, 13 goals scored, just two conceded. The third most goals in the Premier League with 19, but only ninth in terms of expected goals and 11th in expected goals against. So they might be overachieving to a certain degree, uh, but their expected goals against at home is good. 3.57 in three home matches. A little bit of a blow. Jacob Ramsey looks to be out again. Uh, check in on that one as well, but that could be a considerable loss for Villa because he's a really good player. West Ham, um, they, they gave me a half bet, a half win last week. I played to a two, two draw against Newcastle. I should say two weeks ago. Uh, kudos with the late equalizer. They haven't lost a game in four. They've gone over two and a half in eight of 10. Both teams score in eight of 10. First to score. In 8 of 10. They're 11th in XG, the fourth worst in expected goals against at 17.7, but have only conceded 12 goals. That is the biggest difference between actual and expected in terms of goals conceded and expected goals against. They are 2 1 and 1 away from home, seven goals scored, six against. Uh, last year, um, it was a 1 0 West Ham victory at Villa Park and a 1 1 draw in the reverse fixture. West Ham haven't lost to Villa in 11. And they've been first to score in five of six. Villa, no clean sheets against West Ham in seven. And both teams to score has played in six of seven. What's your play for this one, Jake? I think Villa in that run. Um, I think the price on a Villa win is very appetizing. Uh, you mentioned they've won all three home games this season in the league. They've actually won 10 straight Premier League home games uh, under an Emery, stretching back to last season. They've won those by an aggregate of 27 to four. So they... No problem scoring goals. Very, very solid at Villa Park. Um, and yeah, that, that's what I'm leaning on. I think they, they're, they're a really, really strong home team. Uh, West Ham away from home. As you mentioned, the defensive figures have been poor in general, but away from home, they're shipping 2.3 expected goals against per game, which is a really, really high number. You know, you'd think, yeah, you know, they play at Liverpool, but they play at Luton and conceded over two expected goals. Like if you carry on doing that, you're going to get beat heavily by somebody. And, you know, Liverpool did a job on them. That was not really a contest. I know West Ham got a goal, but Liverpool just created loads. And I know they went to Brighton and caused a huge upset there, winning 3-1. But they did. Aston Villa are more streetwise than Brighton. Unai Emery is more is happier than Roberto Di Zerbi to switch things up a little bit. He'll, you know, he'll look at the opponent and he'll tweak his tactics slightly. De Zerbi doesn't do that. De Zerbi says, no, we're playing like this. Uh, and I think that's what gives Aston Villa a small edge over Brighton, maybe in the long run, but also when they're coming against opponents like West Ham who like to play in a certain way. Um, I think Villa are more than happy to kind of adapt their approach. And you know, Emery's a great coach. Villa have got really good players. They, they're stacked. I know you mentioned Jacob Ramsey. Obviously, Zaniolo's he's in, you know, being investigated for all sorts of stuff in Italy at the moment, so he's not going to be there. But I still think they've got a deep enough squad to be able to deal with all that. So full unit play, Villa to win. Um, and I have a feeling this might be a head to head. This is a hundred percent a head to head. Uh, I'm on West Ham on the handicap. Um, and it's a full half goal and it's at minus 106. West Ham are a good team. Like I just, every time I look at them, they might have lost rice, but they've gained some depth and they, I think they're playing really well in their shape. Alvarez, Ward Prowse, like they add a lot of bite to this team. And I just think that they're a side that can go to Villa Park. And this game for me is draw written all over it. And I'd be thrilled if they came away with a draw and a head-to-head -head win for yours truly in this one. And some teams just play really well against other teams. David Moyes and West Ham play really well against Aston Villa. So I, I could see West Ham coming away with something here. Head-to-head. -head. Let's close that gap and start pushing things in the right direction here.
So, yeah, I was um, hoping for fun memories. Very fun memories of the last time we did a head-to-head that involved Aston Villa because they did, did. me a real solid favour. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, I like it. I think that the, the West Ham are good, but I don't think they're as good as what their results and league position suggest so far this season. Um, I think Aston Villa have still got quite a bit left in the tank. Okay, let's see. Uh, and let's go rapid fire for the remaining five games. 15th place Brentford against yeah. 18th place Burnley. Do you have a play in this one? Uh, no bet. No. Um, I was considering Brentford on the handicap, but I've, I'm happy to leave that alone and just, just want to see a little bit more from Brentford. They are, they're a team that have, the results don't reflect how good they've been so far this season. So the seventh best on XG obviously sitting in the bottom half on results. So um, I do expect fortunes to turn, but I don't know. I, I, Burnley, they've had a tough start to the season. This is the third game of their opening nine that you probably look at and go, actually, we could probably get a result here. And they got a result in the last two. So uh, enough of me to swerve. Uh, a half unit play on over two and a half at minus 109. I think Brentford's okay from an attacking perspective, but both are just a mess defensively. Both can see that well. Uh, Brentford, no clean sheets in eight. Both teams are scoring six of eight. Burnley, no clean sheets in three and have the second worst expected goals. But it's just, I think they can score against this Brentford side because they're so bad defensively. Um, it was amazing that it took United so long to score against them last time out. So over two and a half, just a half unit play at minus 109. 19th place Bournemouth against 14th place Wolves. Gary O'Neill going back to the vitality. Uh, does their former manager heap on the pain to Bournemouth, who it's really been a struggle to start the season? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not sure it, it could do, but the, the play I'm making is, is goal line. I'm picking the overs. Um, I was I was looking at both teams to score, but it's just too short to back now. Um, obviously, they were hammered last time out Bournemouth by Everton. They really need a result. The yeah. schedule's been tough to start the season. I think we have to give them credit for that. Um, that they, you know they could have had an easier start, but Iraola's on a hot seat, and ultimately, you know they they are going to need to start picking up results. And I think they. You know, they've played five of last season's top nine, plus Chelsea, who were improved, plus the Conference League winners, West Ham. Um, so they only had two games against teams that they would probably expect to beat. Wolves creating more than last season, but they're also conceding more based on the underlying numbers. They're allowing 1.9 expected goals against per game. So um, I'll take the overs in the Gary O'Neill derby. Uh, Lamina is suspended for this one for Wolves. Both these teams have been dreadful. Wolves have been punching above their way. Both are in the bottom four and expected points. This is a must win for Bournemouth here. So give me Bournemouth on the handicap at minus 0.25 at plus 109. Uh, safeguard yourself. I guess if you, uh, if they draw, it's a half loss, but I think that Bournemouth can win this game and I'm taking them at a plus number. It's what I referred to earlier. These handicaps with the plus number with the safeguard put into place. Bournemouth minus 0.25 at plus 109. Uh, Forest. And Luton Town, I've settled on a no bet for me, but I considered both teams to score no and the under 2.5 at plus 128. Just uh, some suspensions, a lot of players out for Forest. I don't want to touch Luton Town away from home. So just no bet for me in this game. Yeah, no bet for me either. Um, Don't like anything in this game at all. No. So no play for either of us there. Let's move on. Eighth place, Newcastle, and ninth place, Crystal Palace. St. James's Park has been very good to Newcastle Palace. Who's still fit for this team? That's going to be the question heading into this weekend. Seriously, Roy, Roy Hodgson? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get him in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, do you have a play in this one? Uh, yeah, I, I was toying with um, Newcastle on the handicap. Their home record is... Phenomenal. Um, but I just wonder if they've got maybe one eye on the Champions League game that's coming up in midweek. They play Dortmund at home. Um, you know, that if they win that, they're in a very strong position to qualify. I don't think they'll need to be at their very best to beat Crystal Palace. So I I think this could be a very similar game to what we saw them do against Burnley, um, which was obviously finished 2-0. Would see them cover the handicap, but just to be for a bit more security, I'm 
going to take the goal line under 2.75. Uh, the line's at under 2.5, but I'm just going to bump it to 2.75, slightly shorter price. You're still getting minus 125, um, but you just have that extra bit of security that if there is three goals, you get half a loss. Uh, head-to-head Newcastle and lost to Crystal Palace in five. They played under 2.5 in their last five, and it's finished goalless in their last three meetings between these teams. Zero zero, like if you can make an exact score of play, zero zero is it worth a punt? I don't think so, but I'm doing one of those combo plays because I think Newcastle will win, and I don't think that both teams will score. So both teams will score no. Newcastle win at plus one forty. Newcastle, their metrics are outstanding. Anthony Gordon coming back in, and this Palace team, so many injuries to key players, like players like Elise Lerma are close. But if they come back, can they play 90 minutes at St. James's Park and keep up the pace? And who's going to score for this team? They'd be very good in terms of their defensive shape. They're tough to break down. But going away from home here, I think that is a really good play. And I'm going to call it my favorite play of the week. Newcastle will win and both teams have scored no at plus 140. Uh, and finally, we do have Monday Night Football this week. It sounds so weird to me. I can't believe we're living in this world right now. Top of the table, Spurs. Yes, top of the table, Tottenham Hotspur hosting 12th place Fulham. Do you have a bet for Monday Night Football? Uh, I <laughs> I love that reaction. I didn't. I didn't, but the handicaps moved uh, as in it? Fulham's favour, which I'm pretty sure it was minus one and a quarter yesterday, and it's now minus one. Um, it will have because the, 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 the price is minus 118, so... That that does tempt me. Spurs minus one on the Asian oh, handicap. Oh, it did move. Um, yeah, so I, I'll probably put, I'm probably going to go a unit on Spurs minus one. Obviously, that that means that if they win by one goal, we get a push. If they win by two, we get a win. Um, these are the kind of teams that they have no problem creating chances against. Um, Fulham, their you know their their attacking numbers are okay, but. No more than that, and the defensive numbers remain pretty poor. Um, you know, I, I thought that they were going to be they, they turned a corner defensively, um, going into that Chelsea game to concede that many chances and that and a couple of goals against Chelsea was was a huge concern. Yeah, you only have to look at the matches they played against good a lot of the teams that we expect to be better. Arsenal three point two xg, City two xg, Chelsea two xg. I think Spurs are not quite at that level, but they're at home. Um, the feel good factors there. They've basically got a fully fit squad, and there's question marks about Human Son, but yep. um, sure is. Yeah, I, I still think Spurs would would will have enough um, in this game. Second head to head of the week, uh, I made a play. Fulham plus one on the on the Asian handicap at plus one fourteen. It's gone down to plus one oh seven. I made that bet when I saw not only Son limp off uh, for South Korea. But Romero came off uh, at halftime, injured um, uh, in, in their inter- in Argentina's international friendly as well. Their two 0 victory over Peru. As soon as I saw him unavailable through injury, I, I made that bet because it's not just Romero, it's not just Son. Basuma is suspended for this game as well, so you're going to bring in Skip, you're going to bring in Hoybier. I, I think that this is the time to start fading Spurs a bit. I was thinking about it anyways. And that cemented it for me. So Fulham on the Asian handicap, full unit play at plus one fourteen. So two head to heads this week. As long as you're, no, as, no, as long no, as you no, no. you don't want to go head to head this one, we can avoid it. Yeah, I, I'm actually going to pull that play. I didn't realize that Romero was out as well. Um, I think well, we don't three, we don't know we players. don't know if he's out, but he came off at halftime, and it seemed yeah. like there if was he, if he's come off at halftime, traveled halfway around the world. Yes. Um, yeah, I, you know, two players, Basuma and Son, I think you could probably maybe just overcome and it would be a good test. But three players, every spine of your team, I think that's quite a lot to, yeah. to kind of um, to overcome. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pull that play. I'm not going to I'm not going to take Spurs anymore on the handicap. All right. um, I'm just going to pat myself on yeah, the back. I'm not gonna, that I'm not that I convinced you. I convinced you to pull your yeah. bet. Yeah, it's not because of a pro Fulham perspective. Um, I'm I'm still not very high on, on yes. them. I don't think they'll go down, but um, I don't think that they're that, you know they're capable of causing too many upsets against these kind of teams. But it seems this could be a good opportunity for them to do that, yeah. um, especially with you know question marks about Solomon as well. Um, 
and, and what the club are going to do with him. He's been very vocal on the, the stuff that's been happening um, between Israel and have been happening in Israel. So quite a lot of clubs are, ha- are starting to kind of suspend players for having. Isn't he? I vocal. think he's out through. He's I think he's out there. through injury. Anyways, there's is the, he through injury? Yeah, as well? he's out through injury. And, Bentoncourt's and out. And you've got Brennan Johnson as well. I who, don't think that he's available yet either. Yeah. Uh, and he's if so, he's just coming now. back. It's just. I, I think this is a good time to start fading Spurs a little bit. A, a matchup pending. What? I don't love Fulham. I don't love their attack. I don't love their defenders. I do like their midfield. And I think in a game like this, take Basuma out of the team. I, I think that Polinia can kind of control things there and keep this game manageable. Might lose by a goal. Get your money back. I just don't think that Spurs run away with this one. I understand Fulham against other top teams haven't been very good. I, I completely acknowledge that. But... This is context um, dependent. And with the questions around key players for Postacoglu's side, I just I think that this is a, a decent play on Monday Night Football. We'll see. Fulham let me down against Chelsea at home a couple of weeks back. Um, we'll, we'll see if they can have my back here. Yeah. Jake, before we run, we're, we're late. Uh, your favorite play or best bet of the week. I like my Newcastle Crystal Palace combo play at plus 140. Uh, what do you What do you say? Uh, I just like the goals at the City, uh, City Brighton game. Um, everyone likes entertainment. Everyone likes watching goals, don't they? But that price, the way in which Brighton are defending, City with a point to prove. Um, you know, I, I, that's the one I'm, I'm, you know, strongest fancy about. Brilliant. Uh, good to have you back, Jake. You can follow along on Pinnacle Social Channel channels on X on YouTube, subscribe, like, spread the word, help support this podcast. On Pinnacle's website, in our betting resources section, head of the new NBA season, it's right around the corner. Uh, Copywriter Scott Cullen has written his comprehensive season preview, exploring some of the best future plays. And with matches including AC Milan against Juventus this weekend, Dr. Patrick May looks across the Bundesliga and the Serie A slate of games comparing Pinnacle's odds with Goal Impact's player model to help you find value. Pinnacle, it's, it's not just for your, your betting, the most competitive odds in market, great resources to help educate you before you make your plays. Uh, Jake, where can people follow along with you and your outstanding content on a week-to-week basis? So on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at Jake Oz, two Zs. Uh, and I'm writing for sportinglife.com where, yeah, you'll you'll find my full Arsenal-Chelsea preview um, with that Kai Havertz card bet because he's a very dirty player. People don't realise he is a real... And that was when he was playing up front. Now he's playing a little bit deeper against that midfield at Chelsea. I think he could be interesting from, the, from a player prop perspective. Uh, I, I just wanted... To bring this up, because I know we had no play for Forrest and Luton Town. I want to mention this in terms of the cards market. I Sorry, I forgot to do this. There has been a sending off in the last three games that Forrest has played. Um, and I think that this game has cards written all over it. And head-to-head between these two teams, there's been a sending off in three of the last four meetings between Luton Town and Nottingham Forest. So... Uh, two scrappy teams, missing key players. The cards market for that one, I know we had no play, but I might have to dig deeper and maybe find a little something there. So you yeah, like thank it. you for reminding me in a completely unintentional <laughs> way because we've gone way over time for this podcast. Apologies to our editors, but we hope that it provided a little bit of insight as the Premier League is back this week. Uh, We'll catch you next week. Good luck with all of your plays. This has been EPL Insights for Game Week 9 in the Premier League right here, courtesy of Pinnacle.